We give a warm welcome to everybody this evening, to our worship, and to those here and those who are online. And we plead the merits of Christ as we come to worship his great and holy name. We're going to do this, first of all, by singing in the words of Psalm 147, in the Sing Psalms version, page 192. Psalm 147 from verse 7 through to verse 13 sing to the Lord with thankfulness with joy his praise proclaim and with the music of the harp give glory to his name he clothes the vast expanse of heaven the sky with clouds he lifts he makes the rain refresh the earth and grass grow on the hills and so on to the end of the verse Mark 13 sing to the Lord with thankfulness. join together in prayer let us pray (coughs) 
We would ask of thee, O Lord, that through the influence of thy Holy Spirit, we may be found on this thine own Sabbath evening, coming before thee to worship thee, to exercise a desire within our hearts, to lift up our voices with praise and thankfulness of heart for all the goodness that thou hast demonstrated to us, for all the provision that thou hast made for us, for the seasons of the year, for all the potential that is to be found in the provision of thy created order. But we thank thee above everything for the salvation that thou hast wrought for us through Christ, thine only begotten Son. For in him alone we live and we move and have our being. And if we are living our lives without him, we are dead in trespasses and sins. O Lord, we pray that for each and every one of us this evening, we would be found looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, but who is now set down at the right hand of God, as we heard this morning, making intercession for his people. We would ask of thee to be a blessing upon us as a congregation. We remember all our families and all our loved ones, all that are our concerns. And we do thank thee that thou hast made a promise to us that if we but our trust in thee, we will have nothing to fear for time or for eternity. And whatever might perplex us, what might overwhelm us in this life, Enable us to be assured that thou wilt not leave, that thou wilt not forsake thine own, inher- thine own heritage. For there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We pray for those of our congregation who have got particular needs. We think of those who are aged and infirm, some whose physical being is very, very weak. And yet, O oh Lord, we know that Thou dost know each and every one of them. We pray that Thou wouldst give unto them the constancy of grace and faith that will enable them to overcome all the trials that may accompany these days. We pray Thy blessing, O oh Lord, then, to be upon them and thine healing power according to thy mind and will. Remember all the generations of our congregation, young and old alike. We pray for a rising generation, influenced so much by much of this world and its activities. And we know that the evil one would seek to bring them to himself. But we plead with thee on their behalf. For we have a responsibility. We would ask that thou wouldst help them to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the friend of children, the friend of young and old alike. We pray for those, O Lord, who may be going through difficult times with exams. And we commend them to thee and pray that thine hand would be upon them.
We pray for their protection. We pray that the love of Christ would surround their hearts and souls. We do thank thee, O Lord, for all the way that thou hast led us. We pray thy blessing upon our pastor. We commend him to thee and pray that the love of God would surround his heart and soul and that he would know tokens of thy love and favour day by day. Strengthen him, we pray thee. Bless him and his, his wife and family. And we pray that thou, O Lord, would go before them and direct them and give them to know that underneath are the everlasting arms of Christ. The psalmist says, Wait in the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We pray then that thou would be a blessing upon the congregation in all it seeks to do to reach out to this community, reaching in towards itself and also out in the community. May the message of Christ, O Lord, reach to the hearts of those that are still in darkness and have not owned the truth. O Lord, show to them the way, the truth, and the life. Bless us then, O Lord, as we continue before thee. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth, and take away all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. I'd like us to read in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55, reading from the beginning of the chapter. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here, that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that, thou, that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. And may God bless to us that reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 54 in the Scottish Psalter, singing verses 1 to verse 6, page 284. Save me, O God, by thy great name, and judge me by thy strength. By prayer here, O God, give ear unto my words at length. And so on to the end of the verse, in March 6. Save me, O God.
Our New Testament reading is in Second Peter and chapter 1 and reading the whole of the chapter. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so sorry, so nearsighted that he is blind, having for, forgotten that he was cleared from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all of the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if, you're if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. But I'll make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very, very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place 
until the day dawn and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so honour may God bless to us that further reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 107, Psalm 107 at verse 17, and singing on to verse 22. But unto them that do him fear, God's mercy never ends. And to their children's children, dear, his children's children still, his righteousness extends. And singing on to the end of the verse, Mark 22. But unto them that do him fear.
I think I was maybe going to confuse the presenters there by announcing the wrong psalm, but I'm sure they'll let me off with it. I'd like us, first of all, to join in a word of prayer before we come to his words. O Lord, thou hast given to us a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Thou hast set before us the way, the truth, and the life. And we know fine that we do not have the ability to follow the path of truth and righteousness as we should. But we pray that the influence of thy spirits bearing upon us and that the grace of faith would enable us to serve thee, the Lord Jesus Christ, being instant in season and out of season. We ask of thee to help us to remember the cause that is thine own in our own day and generation throughout the world and especially throughout our own land. We commend to thee those, O Lord, who are in positions of power and authority, those who are in positions of influence of all different kinds. We pray that they would listen to the voice of God calling to them and that thou, O Lord, would help them to recognize thee as the God with whom we have to do. <coughs> we pray thy blessing upon our nation at this time. We know that there is much that is an offense to thee in it. We ask of thee to help us to come humbly and submissively to thee as we all ought to do. We pray, O Lord, for our own church, our own denomination. We commend it to thee as it prepares for a general assembly beginning on Monday. We remember, O Lord, thy servant, the Reverend Bob Ackroyd, who will be the moderator of this new assembly. We commend him to thee through the whole week, along with the brethren. We pray that as a church thou wouldst give us direction and give us the ability to see that thou dost require of each and every one of us to be faithful witnesses, living epistles known and read of all men. So Lord guide us, we pray thee, and instruct us and teach us through thy word. Take away all offence. Loving us in Jesus. Amen. I would like us this evening for a little time, seeking the Lord's enabling, to turn with you to words we read in the second epistle of Peter and chapter 1. I'm reading of verse 19. And we have this prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man 
but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if I, I want like to quote it too from the authorised version, because much of my notes is on that, and the words we have there, where it says, "We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, that you take heed, as unto a light shining." <coughs> I'm sure it could be said of every single generation that since the fall that we have passed through many dire straits and there are many situations I'm sure that are replicated generation after generation. I'm also quite sure that our own present generation is going through a turmoil and for many people, they don't know where to turn. That is true. Maybe our nations are full of panic of one kind or another. And if not, maybe our own nation in particular needs to, pardon the expression, to get a grip. Because unless there is a big arresting of the situation that is existing at the present time, we are on a decline. Now I use these words guardedly because we are not beyond the help of God. No generation is beyond that. But I think for our own generation, maybe we have taken things just too casually. We're maybe thinking to ourselves, it's not really going to happen whatever we think might happen. How far along the road will it be before we as a nation, we as communities will find ourselves in a strait out of which we don't know how to get. And the Apostle Peter, both in his first epistle and his second epistle, is drawing attention to the problem that is existing to a great extent. It's not the only problem, but it's certainly the basis of many of our problems, and that is the Word of God. Are we being challenged by the Word? Peter is saying here, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And you and I as believers in Christ, we meet tonight, we met this morning under the word of God. And the important thing for us was to gain some benefit from it. Maybe we are looking for something that we're not willing ourselves to put our own time and energy and spiritual activity into. Maybe we have become very relaxed in so many ways. But to take heed to the sure word of prophecy is something that is absolutely necessary. Because for someone like Peter, it was in the ministry of the word into which he was called. He was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, 
he sought to fulfill that particular work and labor of love. Just like you and I, we have been given the privilege of having escaped the condemnation that was our due and our deserving. We've been brought into a life and light through the ministry of the Word of God. We've been given the assurance that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But what could be lacking? Is there anything lacking? Do we feel maybe that everything is fine and everything in the garden is rosy? We will know that when the test really comes, if it is not already here, which I think it is to a degree, Nevertheless, the reason why Peter is concerned about taking heed to the sure word of prophecy is in order that we are finding ourselves fully steeped in the word of God. For Peter, that was something he learnt. We've seen that in the past. We know that Peter's own experience has taught him a great deal. I want us to ask ourselves, or could I say maybe put it this way, to look at a few pointers that are brought out to us as a result of Peter's putting into our minds and into our hearts, into our thoughts, the prophetic utterance of God for the well-being, for the redemption, for the salvation of you and I, But not just for ourselves, because we know that our nation so badly needs the ministry of that prophetic utterance. Why do we take heed to the sure word of prophecy? Well, there are a number of things, I think, that we need to latch hold upon. It's not that we don't know them, but maybe in everyday life, we lose sight of their importance. For example, do we consider, and I'm not seeking to be cheeky about this in any any way at all, but to remember, as Peter would suggest to us, because he's not just thinking of himself and what he's saying, but he's thinking very much of what 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 God has set out before us. Jehovah tells us it's my word we read that in Isaiah chapter 55 a very familiar passage of scripture to us I'm sure and God says through his prophet there my word he said will not return unto me empty or void but it will accomplish that which I please it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it He likens it to the very provision that he has made for our well-being, the rain, the sun, and all of these things that we come to depend upon and yet maybe take for granted. And maybe that's what has happened and what does happen as far as the word of God is concerned. Maybe we take it for granted and maybe we don't always think of it as Jehovah's word. It is my word. His word because, yes, 
He is its author. Oh, there are many people who will write great things and great screeds that seem to be the testimony of mankind to the generations of mankind. But what are they? They are nothing. Not in comparison to the Word of God. And if the Word of God doesn't have that, dare I use the expression, exciting place in our heart, every time we read it, take it up, that, yes, it makes us, as the psalmist says at the end of Psalm 119, I stand in awe of thy word as one that finds great spoil. He says that within the context of him experiencing much trouble. He says, princes have persecuted me. But, he says, I stand in awe of thy word. And it's when you and I can take up that particular position in relation to the word of God, that's when we know something of what Peter is talking about here. The prophetic utterance of God, his word, is a blessing that comes to us above our deserving. And if it is because, as Peter would even suggest, because it is his word, it is more than just a word from God. The word is not a dead letter. In fact, it's much more than a letter. It is full of the promises of God. It's that which got the children of Israel through many dire straits as a result of their unbelief and their waywardness. If we are in a dire strait as a nation, it's because, yes, we have neglected the word of God. Oh, we might give lip service to it, but we have neglected it to a great extent. And why? Is it because we have lost belief in the promises that God has made, both positive and negative. In the book of Kings, we have this statement that God makes to the children of Israel. He says, If you keep my commandments, then I will do such and such. The onus was placed securely upon the children of Israel. God made a promise. He made many promises, tremendous promises. Israel was not deserving of them. Neither are you and I deserving of these promises that God has made. But he made them, and he gave a condition, if you keep my word. Jesus said it himself, did he not? When he said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Now that's a tall order. Yes, we might say, even to an extent casually, that we love the Lord. But in doing that, is there a big if? Is it the case that Jesus is saying, if you love me, if you love me, Keep my commandments. There's no point in saying, in some vociferous way, that we love the Lord Jesus. And that we might even say it with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. 
that unless we keep his commandments, we are coming far short of his glory. I often think, and I know I've preached on this many a time, about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. What enhanced their appreciation of the man that walked into their company on that road to Emmaus? They were overtaken, yes. Their emotions, everything were overtaken by the fact that Jesus was crucified. And they didn't know much more than that. They were troubled. Their condition is no different to any one of us. Maybe the circumstances are not exactly the same, but our conditions of being troubled in heart and spirit, not knowing where to turn. They ask the question of Jesus, do you not know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus listens to, yes, their groans and their complaints. And then he makes this statement concerning their lack of activity in their lives of trusting in Jesus. Then he started. He did exactly what Peter is saying here. Jesus went and spoke to them about everything that the Old Testament said concerning himself. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets and the Psalms, everything that was there, Jesus spoke to them about it. And the consequence of that was, which having listened, and that's the important thing, isn't it, to, to respond to what Peter is saying here regarding the sure word of prophecy. Are we listening to it? What's our response to it? Have we become dead to the word of God? What does the word of God do to us? Well, according to these disciples on the road to Elias, the effect, the magnetic effect, for the want of a better expression, the magnetic effect of the word that Jesus spoke to them had this effect, that it warmed their hearts. They were all aglow. The sadness was taken away. Yes, the trial that they were putting themselves through was taken away. If you read in Jeremiah 23, 28, 29, you hear there about the influence of the Word of God, the prophetic influence of the Word of God, and how it can be, yes, a fire. Yes, a fire. But it also warms the heart of those of us who are willing to respond and listen to that word that comes to us. Peter is assured that it is a sure word of prophecy. From the very beginning, from the time in the Garden of Eden, the promise that was made there, that promise came into fruition as well as many other promises that one could spend hours considering and contemplating. Israel is a people. Christendom, Christianity, you and I, which are part of the body of Christ, we have been given great promises 
above our deserving. But what does it mean? What does it mean to us? <coughs> Do we believe that the sure word of prophecy is true? Because that's a problem, maybe. Maybe within ourselves we accept so much of what the word is teaching us. We maybe scan it, looking for something that will give me a little bit of reviving in my trouble. What did Jesus say? Well, this is what he says. He that believeth my word, my word, he that believeth in my word will believe in me and will respond in a like manner. When Christ was sent into this world according to promise, and that promise was relayed to us through many of the prophets of the Old Testament, and particularly Isaiah. Isaiah who speaks so clearly in chapter 53 of the servant that was to come and that was to suffer. The Jews to this day find it difficult to believe that Isaiah 53 has anything to do with this Jesus of Nazareth that was born. Oh, they think more of a nationalistic thing. But for you and I, as we read Isaiah 53, it shrouds us with all these promises regarding the Messiah, the messianic hope, the deliverance that was going to come upon us. My word, my word, says God to Isaiah in 55, will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in the thing for do I sent it. And you and I as Christians, if we are that this evening, come under that particular promise and assurance, do we not? My word will not return to me empty, can you remember the day when the Spirit of God took that word and revealed it to you in such a way that you had to bow down before him humbly and to admit that yes, that word came into my heart, into my soul and created a great miracle, a deliverance within my life. When God sent his word to you as an individual and to me, was that according to promise or was that just sheer speculation? Well, according to those and someone like Peter or any one of us here who can name the name of Christ, that promise is surely true and has been fulfilled in you. No matter how deserving you might feel yourself to be, Maybe I'm speaking to someone who has not committed themselves this evening to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has not called upon him to be their saviour. If I am, then the Lord is challenging you, not me. Because remember, the word has been sown again into your heart through the preaching of the gospel.
And we all have a responsibility to that word because it won't return to God empty. Why would we allow the word of God that is in our hearing to be negative, of no effect? It doesn't happen like that. It will have an effect one way or t'other. It will be a savour of life or it will be a savour of death. What is it to be? What do we want it to be? For those who believe that God's word is sure and true and steadfast and all his promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus, we really want to believe that that word that has come upon our hearts is a savour of life. Because that's what we have. That's what God wanted it to be for you and for me in Christ. That it would have that effect upon us to this extent. That we'd be redeemed. That we would be set free. The two men on the road to Emmaus, they were already disciples. They were already followers of Jesus. Oh, they had many weaknesses and difficulties, and not one of us here doesn't have any of these. But they did believe in Jesus. What Jesus had did for them, as he does for us, every time we take up the sure word of prophecy, is to increase and strengthen us in our faith. Maybe, like some of the people to whom Peter was writing, there was too much speculation going on. If I don't understand a thing, I don't believe it. Well, we must take God at his word. If not, we'll get nowhere. Whatever misunderstandings we may have concerning the word of Christ, the word of God, it's not the word that's at fault. It's you and I. And yes, we need, again, pardon the expression, we need the kind of injection that came upon these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We need to be exposed to the sure word of prophecy, everything, and maybe it's a good exercise for us to look at the word of God as a prophetic utterance to your soul and to my soul. It's that word that will not return to God void or empty it will accomplish what he pleases well if it is the case that God wants the rain and the sun and everything that he puts upon this earth all the created order he wants that for our, our life and for our living physically, materially how much more does he want it for our spiritual well-being is it not the case as Peter would give us to understand here, that we need to take a lesson not to use the word of God as some kind of amateurish exercise. Why? Well, Peter tells us why. Because we do not put trust in man, we put trust in God. Listen to what he says here towards the end. Knowing this, first of all, he says, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from any, or comes from someone's own interpretation. 
That's why why we are where we are as a nation, as a people. Oh, we have all the historicity of the word of God as it landed upon these shores and was a blessing when the gospel came to our nation. But now the tide is turning to a great extent. And why? Because people will not believe that it is the word of God. If the church herself falls into that self-same trap, then we are to be pitied. We've got to get away from the idea that the word that we have in all these pages of Scripture, from Genesis right through to Revelation, this is all God's word. It's God-breathed. Oh yes, holy men of God wrote it. But under the influence and the spirit of God, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need activity, yes, of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Maybe he is very far removed from our minds when we sit under the word of God or we spend time reading it ourselves. Are we dependent for interpretation of it by some great theologian? I'm not knocking them far from it who wrote reams and reams of theological material. But there is nothing to compare with believing not because man sees it but because God sees it he is the inspirer he is the interpreter maybe we need to spend more time in allowing the spirit of God to come upon us and to take the things that have been revealed to us in his word knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Even ministers get it wrong. We put wrong emphasis on things. We all know that. But the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. It's evidently been tried and shown and demonstrated in the lives of so many men and women down through the generations. And you and I are part of that great company of people who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not neglect the word that has been given to us. Was that not part of Christ's intercessory prayer? I have given them thy word. That does suggest to me that there is a response necessary. If Christ, if we believe that Christ has given us his word, then we respond. When Jesus in that intercessory prayer says, I have given them thy word. He is anticipating, yes, a presentation or an acceptation of that word itself in your life and mine. Peter says in his first epistle, 
We are living epistles, known and read of all men. And if we are not that, then we have to ask ourselves the question, do I believe in the word of God, as was written by holy men of old, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Every single word is true. We may live in an age when people doubt so much of the Bible, of the church herself and her witness. But you and I have a responsibility not to let that overshadow the message that comes from above. Yes, Peter is right in what he is saying. That we must pay attention to the word of God, which is a light, or as the psalmist says, a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Let us stand in awe of this precious heritage. Let us pray. (coughs) O Lord, our gracious God, we would ask of thee to help us to exercise our lives as believers in Jesus, to show that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who has given unto us above our deserving and we pray that thou wouldst help us more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness. Lord, be a blessing then, we pray thee, upon each and every one of us. And all that are our concerns, whatever these may be, leave us not to ourselves. And come over the mountains of our provocations, loving us freely in Christ. Amen. Now we're going to conclude in Psalm 107. I think I'm right this time. At verse 15. Psalm 107 at verse 15. And we're singing verses 15 to 21. Oh, that men to the Lord would give praise for his goodness then. And for his works of wonder done unto the sons of men. And so on to the end of the verse 21. Oh, that men to the Lord would give.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, rest upon and remain with you and with all.